When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Hey, hey, welcome to Knife Talk. We're a podcast for makers, knife makers, knife enthusiasts, whatever you want. We're with you. My name's Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Bonjour. And, oh, and the beautiful Mareko Mamasi, Mamasi Fire Arts. Gentlemen, start your engines. Beautiful. How's everybody? <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good looking dude. You're down there in Atlanta. <laughs> what, what were you doing down in Atlanta? Uh, so I was invited and it was kind of very last second, but, uh, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. I went down and worked with, uh, my buddy, our, our friend, friend of the show, Neil Kamimura, uh, at Zach Brown, uh, Zach Brown's shop. Um, Zach Brown is a, he's a musician. He's a Grammy award winning musician. And, uh, he, has he written any songs about Dominic Schwab? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's a callback wow. right there. All right, take, get a list of last episode. Get that right one. back. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and uh, yeah, he's it just you know he's always I he's always, Zach has always been into knives, and uh, you know you hear people say you know I'm a I'm a fan of knives or I collect knives. Uh, Zach actually started a company, and I don't know if it's very well known. He owns Southern Grind. He started Southern Grind, which is a manufacturer based out of Atlanta, and they make other uh, companies' knives uh, as well as their own. So they do some OEM as well as their own licensed uh, manufactured designs and stuff like that. And uh, he's wanting, <clears throat> he's been wanting to learn more and more, get more hands on himself into kind of like the forging side. And grind and he and grinding everything and he's been working with people. He had Neil come down before and teach him some stuff. He's worked with other makers. And uh and Neil invited me to come along this time. And uh it was a really great experience, you know. He's a really That's nice awesome. guy, super gracious host, uh super down to earth. Um, you know, if if you didn't know that he, you know, was who he was, yeah, he would have just it would have felt like the same as if I went and came out and and hung out at your shop, Jeff, or anything like that. Like well, it was I'm just a, I'm not no a big country, deal. I'm not a country music guy. What? I you mean, know. I'm not a country music singer. Clearly, 
Right. Well, I mean, but if you took that all away, like I, right? Yeah, he was just like a normal dude. It was really great, and uh, we had a good time. Got to meet. Uh, it was cool to see his. Sh- uh, what is it, the Southern Grind there? They got a phenomenal facility there, and um, and just to kind of teach teach some stuff and and get to meet new people, and make friends. That's yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah, super cool. That's cool. good. Look forward to look forward to seeing what's going on in the future with you guys. Yeah, there there could be some g- big things in the works, but in, uh, you know, nothing nothing yet. But right, always there's always opportunities. Shout out to shout shout out to Zach Brown. Yeah, shout out to Zach Brown. Right. What about you guys? What have you been up to, Craig? Those those knives that I talked about last week, the the walnut handles that um, set of forty, they finally shipped. They've gone. So that is the last of the the walnut handles that that I'll be doing for a while. So the last three or four orders have they've been very similar knives. So it's nice now to be looking into you know something new. So that um, sustainable chef knife, which I've talked about for months and months now, that's launching on Friday, January thirty first. Mm. So there's going to be a hundred spots for that. Um, so it's been sort of a, a marketing kind of thing, getting the the website up and ready for that, um, getting some photos done of that prototype knife that I've done. Um, and it's, it's been really nice actually, just to step away from, you know, when you're doing the same old thing for, it's probably been about three months working on those, um, table and steak knives. And I said, the last three or four orders, they've been very, very similar. So it's nice to, you know, a breath of fresh air to get back to doing a a chef knife, something that's completely different to other stuff that I've done before. Um, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. So I'm looking forward to Friday, um, launching this. Um, and yeah, getting back to sort of web stuff for a while, which has been quite nice because I, you know, that used to be what I used to do as a, for a living. So the last maybe sort of two, three days, I've just been making sure this product page is, is perfect and all set up ready for launch this week. And that'll probably be launching sort of Monday, Tuesday. Um, today I've been doing the, the build along video for stage two, which we'll talk about just a little bit later in a different section for the build along knife. And it's just been really nice to see lots of people doing the build along with us so that we, you know, we launched it last week and we, we talked about the design and so on, but it's great to see so many people doing different variations of that knife. It's, yeah, it's going to be fun to see, oh, nice. to see how all these turn out. P.S. Congratulations on, you did a great job on your video and you really, you've done, I mean, you've taken this on yourself. So you did a lot of hard work and um, you did a great job. Yeah. Do you, you have yes. long too, I see. I'm doing the build. I told you, you sold me. Usually I don't participate in anything because it's just like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, but, uh, you sold me. Oh, no, no, You sold me. I'm like, Hey, you, Craig's Craig did a good job. I can't, I can't not do it. So I'm doing it. But PS, how'd you get that sexy deep voice? You got a radio voice right yeah, now. Yeah. It's very today. Good. Oh yeah. I've, I've had a bit of a, <laughs> yeah. Sore throat, a bit of a Barry white voice oh, over I, the last few days. About um, a little whiskey and yeah. cigarettes voice. It's good. No, not quite, but I can't stand either. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I've just had a bit of a chesty cough, really. And it's, yeah, that sort of phlegmy voice, sexy. Chesty Lockwood, love it. Chesty Lockwood. <laughs> hey, I got a question about that build along. So you yeah. you say a lot of people are doing it. Is there a hashtag that people can follow or check out to see other, other build along players' works? That's how you do well, a plug right funny there. You That's how you should say in. that. Funny That's how you, you should say in, that. Marekko. Wow, baby. <laughs> knife Talk BA for Build Along. Knife Talk BA. I, like I, f- I screwed up and I wrote Knife Print BA, but I'll I'll not make that mistake again. Yeah. There's quite a there's a few dozen people already doing the Build Along. 
Um, and I'm sure over the coming weeks, more will join along. So the video went up last Monday of that very first step of using knife print to um, design the knife and how you can print it out and all the rest of it. And I actually had two of the blanks shipped to me. Um, and it, yeah, it's good. So we're, we're all ready for the next stage. Um, the day you hear this podcast, the next video will be coming out, which is all about the heat treat. Um, and next week, then we'll be talking about the grind and all the rest of it. So I think within about four weeks, we're all going to have this this finished knife. As I say, lots of people have done little variations on it. A few people have pointed out, I've got tiny little Trump hands, so they wanted to make their handle bigger and variations to the blade and so on. So, yeah, it's going to be cool to see exactly what people have done. There tiny you go. little Trump hands. <laughs> who's told you that? I have. I've got tiny little Trump hands. No, but who said, uh, who told you that? <laughs> no one's told you that. No one's you told me that. But I've just noticed he's got very little hands. Huh. Fine. Possibly a very small penis. Who's to know? Oh my Who's God, we're going right into it. Holy <laughs> mackerel. Come on, man. Jeez Louise. Uh, what about you, Jeff? What have you been up to? Um, just c- catching up on some things. I started a new batch of knives. Uh, after the holidays, we had some. We had a lot of runoff. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff to, you know, to catch up on. So I've been catching up on a pile. I did a pile of heat treating. And shout out to Even Heat, man. I'll tell you what. My Even Heat LB18 is awesome. I love that thing. And I actually use it for, uh, not only do I use it for my heat treating and my, and my uh, uh, tempering, but I'm using it for um, when I uh, stabilize. I'm stabilizing a pile of wood. I, oh, I thought you were going to say paella in that oven. What? No, I'm I thought you were going to say paella talking, then. I ain't talking about food. I ain't talking about food today. But, um, yeah, I use it. I, I, so I've been, uh, he, I heat treated a pile of, pile of knives and, I tell you what I've been doing. I've been selling a lot of forks lately, so it's it's been a lot of fun because with the plate quenching of the 440C, you can do so much work before heat treatment. So I was cutting them out and drilling them and filing them and filing them while they're soft, and then I heat treat them, and then I just do a little bit of sharpening up the sharpening everything up, hit hit everything with the Scotch Brite belt. Uh, on a contact wheel and put the handle on. It was fun, man. There's no bevels. There's no grinding. There's no edges. There's not. They just. They were fun, and I'm doing pretty well with them. I actually got a piece of uh, juniper from our friend Ben Snur. Sent me a pile of wood from his ranch. Oh, that's beautiful. And I stabilized it, and it turned out dynamite. It was. It was like I had tons of character. I'd never even heard of using juniper. I thought it was. He sent me a pile of wood. I thought it was mesquite, and he said, "Oh no, that's juniper." I'd never even heard of using juniper burl. But it was great, and that's those those were fun to make. And I had to uh, I had to actually double up a little bit of time on Thursday and Fridays. I visited a family member who's in the hospital. I was in, I was in the hospital yesterday. Not was visiting a friend. I was visiting a family member who's uh, going to be in the hospital for a while. So I spent uh, I kind of doubled up work over the week so I could spend you know the time in the in the hospital with my, my family member. So um, yeah, just you know catching up on shit and i got this coming week i got uh i'm doing some side projects that i've I've, i'm a little bit hesitant to do but you know i i you i make a promise i follow through so we're gonna be doing a little restaurant servicey projects well you want to know what it is there's a restaurant uh that's going to be uh serving skewers to a uh, skewered food to a to their you know the customers and they wanted to come up with a way to make a stand. It's like so a Brazilian restaurant? Could... No, 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 no. This is an American restaurant in New York. Okay. But they just wanted like a, almost like a rack 
So we were fooling around. Mm. The, the owner had sent me pictures, crazy pictures, crazy bullshit pictures. Like, stop, stop drawing. Don't, don't draw anymore. Stop it, please. I beg you. <laughs> Your chef, just be a chef. You don't have to draw, please. I'm begging you. These guys, they think they know how to do everything. So I came up with like a rack. So the waiter brings this rack of um, skewers to the table. So it's it's like everything's up. Everything's kind of up in there. So I'll have a I'll have some more of that. Um, I got to do the prototype. This I got to do the prototype. I got to knock one out on Monday. So there's some, you know, that what I'm up to. Something a bit different. Nice. Ah, you know what? Some of it's just like, you know, you go into these conference calls with the chef and the project manager and everybody and just like take your phone and you put it down and come back after a couple minutes and you're just... They're still talking away. (laughs) Don't you think you could do this? Please stop telling me what I think you think I can do. You know, just do the drawing. Let's just do what we said. Let's not, you know, I'm monogramming things. Let's just don't... Give me a price that you want to come in at. Let's just, your thoughts and ideas are, you know, the meter's running on your thoughts and ideas. So, (laughs) that's our news. Let's see what's happening with knife news. This is Marek Omalmasi reporting from Olympia, Washington in his pickup truck parked in a garage. Um, <laughs> we uh, This is the news portion where we kind of talk about what's happening, what's coming up, what we got going on, and what's happening in the knife world uh, abroad. Uh, generally speaking, so looking at the Artisans in Steel calendar, which, by the way, uh, I've been getting people, folks still messaging how to get a hold of those. Uh, on my website, you can go um, check it out. You can get them there. They're 20 bucks a pop um, bef- before shipping. Um, there is a little extra shipping for international just because it does cost a little extra more to ship international. Anyways, uh, there's nothing else happening for the, the month of January. SHOT Show and the uh, let's see, Las Vegas Custom Knife Show just happened last weekend. And uh, hopefully everybody there had a lot of fun. I definitely saw pictures from that. Uh, it looked like Will Stelter was there. I think Will. I don't know if Alec was there too, but Will was definitely there. Dude, what is going on? Will Stelter, I think he wants to save the world. Yeah. He's like, a, he got EMT stuff. He got, he wear, they wear a EMT wrap around their ankle like Batman. He got, he got guns. He wants, he does, he literally might want to try to save the world. Yeah. His shooting protect videos him. are impressive. And pr- protecting and shooting. Shooting and protecting. Yeah. God, God bless Will Stelter. <laughs> What's EMT? That's uh he he studied I guess he's studying emergency to be medical like technician. A, there you go. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. He's, they're selling those. They're selling those, aren't they? Those 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 packs they put on your leg. Yeah, he he pulls his he pulls his tight pants over that calf, and all of a sudden you see the Batman utility belt on his ankle. <laughs> he tried it. He try, I think he tried to intubate Alec. Didn't go very well. <sighs> but uh, <laughs> anyways, for to kick off February. First off, I want to give a shout out to Peter Swarsberg. He, he's the pinup for February. He's got a giant sword in there that he built. Stunning piece. But uh, <clears throat> on the 1st and 2nd of January, uh, there are a couple shows going on. The first one that we have there is the European Knife Show in Strasbourg, France. And the second one is the Perth Knife Show in Fremantle, Western Australia, which is just kind of like a, it's like a su- suburb of Perth. Um so those will be going on the first and the second. Other than that, um, there's nothing much else coming up for a few more weeks. I just got my artisan's and seal calendar. It's great. 
Cool. Thanks, I got man. Two of them now. Appreciate one, the love. Don't thank. Of course, of yeah. course, I'm supportive. I, I, it's great. It's a. I'm actually going to use it. I have a, some dates I got to plan out. I'm actually going to use it as my kind of roll up date calendar. Nice. Nice. And remind people where can where can they get those again? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Apparently, a frog in my throat. Uh, so you can get the calendar on my website. It's it's more of a standard format too. The first one I did was kind of an odd format. Uh, but the, this one is more standard January to December. Uh, you can get it on the website, uh, malmossyfirearts.com. If you just scroll down literally like one swipe, uh, it's right there. They're $20 a piece uh, before shipping. Yeah. There you go. Nice. It's come to my attention that uh, I uh, my my cl- the classes, at, uh, the clinics at Doghouse Forges are, are coming up. And Jonathan Porter has set up some clinics. He's got some knife-making clinics in Lakeland, Florida. I am doing, at the end of February, I'm doing a blacksmith, an introductory blacksmithing class fundamental clinic, uh, February 29th through March 1st. And there's two, a couple slots open. We're clear. We're clear and clear and clear. But I want to I kind of squeeze a couple more people in. So if you're around Lakeland, Florida, you want to hang out with me, we're going to forge some tongs and forge some uh, bottle openers. Uh, the friction folder class is closed up, but the uh, fundamental class is there. And then on um, March 14th and 15th, Ben Snur is coming down from Texas, and he's going to teach you how to make hammers. He makes beautiful hammers. So if you want to make a hammer with Ben and, and Jonathan, definitely go to doghouseforge.com and sign up for all of his classes. Nice. They get a lot of classes there. A lot of class. Talking about March 14th and 15th, actually, um, the Travis Wurtz Hammer Inn is going to be happening in Arizona in Casa de Grande, which is kind of just outside of Phoenix by about an hour. Uh, but there we go. we got, there's going to be a lot of great uh, custom knife makers there, a lot of legends. Uh, people come in there from all over the world. We got uh, There's a maker from South Africa that's going to be there um, named Owen Wood. He's one of the kind of preeminent mosaic damascus pattern welded uh, damascus makers in the in the world right now does some pretty cool stuff but yeah there's going to be all kinds of great presenters there uh you can go find his information on travis wurtz website i think mean, i believe it's wurtzmachineworks.com and uh get more information there right. start planning on those things it's important to get that figured out soon especially if you got to travel did did you guys see the uh, New England School of Metalworks new video? No, no. They did a no. new video where they filmed Nick uh, Rossi forging a survival knife. Those old school survival knives where they have uh, the hollow handle. He, it's you got to go to New England School of Metalwork. Go to their Instagram page, and they get a link to the YouTube video. So basically, he forges the knife, and then he forges a piece of tube, and he forge welds the blade into the tube. And then he there's nuts and bolts, and he forges the whole thing, and basically, he's got like a little cap, and he does that old-school like uh, survival knife where you, you know, those little Rambo knives. New oh, England School of Metalworks doing some great... In the, in the handle. It, well, pardon me? You can have a bit of thread in the handle to sew your leg he, up. So you on. will have to watch the video to see how he did it. He did a great job, yeah. and it was a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm hoping, and I know that Nick doesn't listen to this podcast once in a while, but I'm talking to you, Nick Rossi. You make any video, I'll talk about it. You do such a great job, and I'm a huge fan of the New England School of Metalwork, and more and more people are going there, and that is good for everybody. So New England School of Metalwork, they're doing great videos, but they're also doing great um, classes. So 
check out check out what they're doing and go go give them some love and watch that video good good stuff and just before we finish the news um i've actually got a a question to ask our listeners so there is a chance that i could be coming to london for some time sort of three to six months and i'll be looking for a workshop which i can use on the weekend so if anybody knows of um space a working space that i could use um in a sort of just outside london sort of windsor area sort of brave binfield that sort of area if anybody knows of a space please let me know. There's a good chance that I may be coming to London for a little while. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Do it now. And you do have to do it now because our build along, which we're doing... Next week, we're going to start the grinding. So you're going to make sure you've got, you've got plenty of abrasives ready beforehand. And whilst we're talking about the build-along... Why do you build along? Build along, along. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. That is funny. That's... Why do you build along? <laughs> you know what? I like your little jingles. I don't care what anybody says. They make me laugh. They grow in on you. <laughs> They've grown on me from the beginning. <laughs> fucking funny dude Why don't so we, last we week we did we had our first build along episode where we designed our knives we used something called knifeprint.com which is an online tool which is like a 2d cad tool um it's been great to see so many people using it and so many people getting you know involved in our build along this week is going to be all about the heat treat um, but just remember, this is all sponsored by knifeprint.com. So if you've never used any sort of CAD program before or you've never used a computer designer knife, go to knifeprint.com, completely free. And the best thing is they've got loads of very, very good tutorials to show you how you can design you know, a, a knife of any sort of style. You don't need to download any software. It's all done in a browser. Go take a look at knifeprint.com. If you use the promo code KNIFETALK, you can also get 10% off a pro account. So that's knifeprint.com. So back to the build along. Um, so this week now is going to be, as I say, about the about the heat treat. So in my example, I've used O1 steel, um, and it, it's four millimeter. So it's twice as thick as the steel that I normally use. Really, it's, you know, four mil. I've got this thing in my hand, and it just feels massive because I'm used to making chef knives. As, you know, it's the same as you guys. What steel are you using for yours, Jeff? Uh, fifty-two one hundred. I happen to have right, a okay. piece of uh, three sixteenths uh, fifty-two one hundred. Right, okay. So quite a similar sort of um, heat-treating sort of procedure for you as well then. I know uh, some yeah. people, a, a few people doing the build-along are using, are using a stainless, so that's going to be very different. But basically there's a video going online today, the day you hear this, which will be me heat-treating my knife. And I've got the luxury of having a, an even heat, like you know, like many of our listeners do. Um, but the whole point of this build-along is that we can... Anybody, whether it's the first knife they've made or whether, you know, a seasoned knife maker, they, they can journal along too. So I want to discuss ways in which people who don't have an even heat, um, how they could go about heat treating a blade. So I've, I've chosen one specifically because it, it, it's, it's quite easy to heat treat it. You know, it's quite forgiving to heat treat. Um, so what would you do? Let's, let's start with Morocco. You, you don't have a... Um, an even heat. I know you. I know you have at least one. I think maybe maybe two. But let's say you didn't have them. How would you go about heat treating a, this blade? Do I have a forge? 
you can have a forge if you is, want a forge. Is, is that in this scenario? Do forge, do I, have... yeah. I mean, yeah. Can't use a yeah. microwave. Sorry, yeah. I, I would do it in the forge and I would make sure to go through all my series of heat treating you know, cycles and heat therm- normal normalizing and everything to kind of preheat treat and get it ready but yeah i would i do everything out of the forge possible with torches do we think oh definitely your, i mean yeah but i mean it's tricky for the first time yeah, mm, yeah you, and possibly, you couldn't do it yeah. with just propane you'd have to get a map gas torch or something or something more yeah settling or an oxypropane setup um just because you you definitely yeah. need high temps and the propane's not going to get you there. Yeah. And then you'd be almost doing like a, a differential heat treat really with just using the actual blade part um, for your heat treat because you're never going to get, you know, an even temperature throughout the whole blade. So, There's... yeah, it's, it's difficult. If you don't have um, a, an even heat or an electronic kiln, um, the next best thing I, I suppose would be uh, would be a forge. And and if you haven't got a forge, what I'd probably say is find somebody who does. <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier. You could also send it out. You could send it out to be heat treated. There are companies that will heat treat for you. Yeah. Uh, there are guys who've done YouTube videos where they put the barbecue and they put them in the barbecue. I mean, it's, 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 mm. I think that I noticed that there were some, you know, there was a lot of questions when this came out. A lot of people say, well, can I grind it first before I heat treat it? That's, you know, I I think you can do whatever it takes. Uh, there also was somebody who said, is there going to be like, is there going to be a tool list that you need? Some of you guys are going to have to be a little bit industrious. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out how you're going to get a, get through all this is, you know, we're not going to hold your hand, you know. Um, yeah, I think is... that's the whole point of having this hashtag as well. So whichever way you do it, you share the way you do it because somebody else may have the same equipment as you or, you know, they, they may see a different way of doing things. But remember, if, if, if this week is all about the heat treat, make sure you get your, your holes drilled, any sort of file work, make sure all that is done before because you don't want to be doing that on, on a hardened steel. And so, yeah, do you sure mind? I mean, obviously, we're not. There's not like rules and regulations. If somebody wants to pre-grind their knife before the heat treat, they can. I mean, it's, it's there. It's there. We're not. This isn't like. Uh, there's not going to be any referees coming to your house throwing oh, red God, flags no. around. Do whatever the hell you <laughs> yeah. want. Out of bounds. Yeah, it's not a competition. Yeah. Not a competition. No, you're do, out. Do the way you're out. You. Because I'm grinding my shit before I put it. I'm not. I'm not heat. I'm not grinding. You know, three. You know, a quarter inch of. 52 100 hardened that's just no. uh, not even for the scandy grind i mean i'd like to take a little bit off well maybe you know what you, you know what i'm with you i'm going to follow <laughs> your you, you do what you do think it. is best Jeff. god damn it <laughs> i'm going to not be difficult i'm doing it the way you're telling me to do it i'm not going to be difficult there you go so everybody you, you, don't be difficult. It, Listen, it, it, the funniest part—the funniest part about uh, this build along is you're—you've become customer. You can become tech support. You're fucking the IT department of this whole project. How many people uh, have been calling you up? I can't get on. What now? What do we do? Including me. Including exactly, including I <laughs> fucked up. So too. I just had a gif in the end, which was just try turning it off and back on again, and I was just sending everybody this gif. But I just, yeah, I'm not tech support. I mean, if you've got a, pro- if you've never used a computer to design before, that's why we've gone with knife printing. It's super easy to use. But also, they've got these amazing tutorials. So even if you are familiar with 2D CAD, take a look at these tutorials anyway. It's well worth it. 
But yeah, if you've got any tech support questions, I'm not the man for it. Here's... I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a dude trying to make knives. You said, Craig, Craig sent me these these things like I don't know what the fuck. People can't read directions. People are always reading, and I was the pro. So what you have to do is you go to knifeprint.com and then you sign, you log in, you you do a username sign and up, password. Login, yeah. Then you go to our show notes from the last episode, and there's a direct link to the picture that's where i had the problem i figured you sign in log in password and then it would be up in a in a public public um i thought it would be on the website and it wasn't there's the link is the link to the knife is in the show notes from last week or on his youtube on the youtube uh, video but you have to have a username and password first that was why i was just like oh, where where is this fucking thing and he was like jesus christ you too <laughs> it is it is surprisingly and very easy to use. Uh, it's very uh, it's very logical. It's a very easy way to do it. I was very impressed. The only thing I couldn't figure out is I couldn't figure out how to move the uh, the the uh, pins the where the pinholes were. I couldn't figure out how to like move all that around. But look, you know what? It's a great little project, and I'm a hundred percent behind you. Well, what you need to do, Jeff, is get, with your AOL um, sign-up disk, okay, your internet disk, <laughs> yeah. log on to the internet. <laughs> yeah. The mouse is the thing that's got like a little tail coming off oh. it that plugs into your computer. Well, I use a rollerball. I use a rollerball, though. <laughs> oh, really? You're one of those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I use a rollerball. Sticky balls. Jesus Christ! You, what is going on with you? You're like all <laughs> over the place. Small penis, <laughs> sticky balls. What else? I don't know. Uh, I got a bad chest. I mean, <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. Chesty, Chesty Lockwood's at it again. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? All right, everybody. This is your chance. If you go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you can DM us your questions for the next episode of the podcast. This is, hey, man, can I ask you a question? This is your questions and stuff. I will suggest editing yourself and coming up with a question that when you read it out loud, somebody who doesn't know how to make knives understands what you're talking about because some of you guys are a little bit, a little bit verbose. All right. So the first question comes from Isaac Anguiano 42. Is there any way to file your secondary bevel on a hardened knife? He wants to file. He already, he treated his knife. He wants to file away the secondary bevel. What do you think guys? So the secondary bevel, I mean, it's it's pretty much always going to be a hardened knife if you're doing your secondary bevel anyway, surely. Yeah, I, I mean, I would always assume, at least for chef's knives, that your secondary bevel is... Oh, wait, so all right, so the primary bevel is the cutting edge. Secondary bevel is the taper from the spine to the edge, right? I don't think he's saying... I think uh, he's basically saying, how do I finish grinding it thinner? How do I how do I finish this knife after I heat treated it? He right. already so, put a he already filed away the bevel. I think he's trying to t say how do I how do I file the rest of it away? And that was hard. Oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, uh, you're probably not going to be able to do it with a file, at least if you heat treat it properly. Um, you'll have to sand it by hand. <laughs> that's which is going to be con time consuming for sure. Or get an angle grinder. That's a good idea. Angle grinder with angle the, grinder. a disc, abrasive disc. That'll help make it go faster. Yeah, be careful not to overheat it. But if you're talking, if you heat treat it at thickness, and you're saying that your your secondary bevel is like it ha basically no grinding's been done at all, 
yeah, you're you're going to be in a tough spot. You're not going to be able to file that. You're going to want to have to you're going to have to sand it either with a an angle grinder or by hand. That is going to be a rough one. And with, yeah, with piggybacking what you're saying, if you were to use an angle grinder, those discs have a very small amount of abrasive. Right. So as you're using them, they get very dull very quickly. That's the reason why some people ask us, what's the difference? Why would you use it? Why do people use a two by 72 grinder? Well, that's, that's 72 inches of belt. You, you get more cutting, you get more abrasive because it's a long belt. If you have a right angle grinder, as your disc spins around, you're going to lose all the abrasive on that disc very quickly and once you lose the disc on the it, it's all friction and you're going to overheat it so you have to really be real careful I a lot of people like flap discs beca because it, you get a little bit more abrasive as it wears away but you got to be real careful that you don't overdo it with the angle grinder get yourself a grinder stop f fucking around it's enough already don't get your file go get a grinder <laughs> there you go gc blacksmithing asks Hey, I had a question for you guys. Can you coffee etch stainless Damascus? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, unfortunately, the acid in the coffee isn't strong enough to do anything. And the oh. chromium content of the stainless does a good job of remaining stainless. And so I've, I've never seen anybody um, get any kind of decent results with coffee and stainless. You can get like, I mean, I remember when I was in a metal shop and I'm just, you know, we're just talking here. When I was in a metal shop, they sold, there were companies that sold uh, like gun blue, like oxidizer mm -hmm. for stainless. Sure. You could probably get that. Yeah. There's definitely some, some caustic acids in that, in that gun bluing that help yeah. create with that kind of patina, that darkening. Um, you, you know, what I, I've seen is people doing like a 50-50 mixture of ferric and muriatic or, or sorry, ferric and vinegar, not ferric and muriatic. Um, and they warm it, not super hot, just hot enough that it's like warm and then, uh, and then put the blade in there and it, comes out with pretty decent results like charcoal gray if, I don't I don't know if it's full on jet black but it's pretty dark gray and silver contrast and that might be uh that might be kind of one of your better bets and the whole idea behind the coffee is you're using something that's food safe it's a kind of a more of a right it's not as a, it's a, it, it works as well but it gives you something a little bit less acid acidic for that's not good yeah for you. Yeah. I always wonder with that blue in stuff because you know it clearly says on all the labels there that it's you know not to be used for you know anything that comes into contact with food and so on. Sure. But I think once once it's been sort of neutralized and cleaned, I mean surely that the metal isn't soaking this stuff up so it could leach more out. I I don't know. I, I can't see how if it's been cleaned and neutralized how how it could still be do damage. I'm not quite sure. Right. Yeah. And that's always kind of the question. I don't I don't really know myself. Maybe maybe we have a chemist listening, and they can help explain some of that. Yeah, the only chemists these guys are like building like bongs and stuff. <laughs> Breaking bad. They're style. like figuring out how to like huff some more crazy glue. <laughs> I can do it. Get some in the bottom of the bag and just huff. All right, this All next right. one is from. Hit it. What's up? Hit it. 
Hit it. This next one is from Wandering Priest. He says, what type of maintenance should you use on your hammers? Jeff. That's a good question. Well, um, you know, it's interesting because there's different ways to mount a hammer to a handle. Uh, One thing I've been doing recently, and I I saw, uh, actually Jesse Savage started to do it, is if you soak your hammer hammer in the boil linseed oil what it happens is it swells you know the way a hammer is set on a handle it's not a straight the 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 good ones aren't straight through they're almost like an hourglass so the middle of where the eye is it's pinched in like an hourglass and the reason why it's that way is because when you set the handle you can you flare out the top and you make it super tight so it's not it's not going to move um so what you can do is if it's getting a little bit loose, you can throw a nail in there or something like that. But you can also soak your hammer in um, boil linseed oil. And then in the top of the hammer soaks up the boil linseed oil. And then it swells it. It swells a little bit make it just to make sure that it's tighter. Um, I, know some, I know a lot of guys uh, like to get a mirror finish on their hammer faces. You can do that. I don't do that. Unless there's a big nick. Unless there's a big nick, or if I have a if I have a really tight, um, my, if the face if the corner of the face is really really sharp, sometimes I'll I'll dress that down. But um, the only thing I really do is uh, once in a while I, I'll drop an, a hammer in a in a in a bucket of uh, boiled linseed oil. But I, I've never really I've never had I've never in my life had a hammer fly off the handle. You know, uh, usually it breaks. Um, Poor, poor Sunset Forge is—he's such a hard swinging guy. He's breaking—he breaking hammers left and right. He's a hard swinging guy, but I've never seen—I've never actually heard of one flying off the handle unless it was kind of put in properly. Mm-hmm. Um, That's—I mean—I don't really do a whole lot of maintenance. Change the batteries occasionally. Yeah, change the batteries. Right. Yeah, change the batteries. <laughs> sometimes, if sometimes if you know, one thing is you know, a lot of times when guys are swinging a hammer and they're using a. Um, if they're using like a, a hardy, like a, a, a they're using a, in the hardy hole, sometimes you miss and then you you'll hit under the wood underneath your hammer. Sometimes if there's a lot of splinters, I try to sand them down because otherwise, you know, the last thing you need is to get a splinter in your hand. Um, or you know, I I fool around with my handle handles a lot because sometimes I get blisters and sometimes I just I just want to try to ease that out. I don't know. That, that kind of bummed me out. I'm ne- I never, I'm never, I've never had a hammer out of the factory that I didn't change or the whatever. Cool. Sure. The next one comes from Sugart Concepts. Would a kiln for clay be a good heat treating oven or uh, have any of you used a, a clay oven for heat treating? Love the podcast. Brings laughter and joy while I'm at work. Keep up the good work. <sighs> laughter and joy. Well, I've just been on the Evenheat website, as I saw this question was coming up, to see if they reach the same temperatures. And they do. So, uh, well, particularly Evenheats do. So their kilns for ceramics, they go to 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit, which is the same as their LB series of knife-making kilns. But I think the the only issue you may have is that most of these open from the top. As we all know, hot air rises. So as soon as you open up that door a lot of the heat is going to go out very, very quickly, where obviously you want to hold the temperature in the knife you know, ready for quenching. So they're designed a bit more like, you know, like the salt bath kilns. Um, but with regards to the actual temperature, as long as it gets up to temperature, you're good. Yeah. But, yeah, the only worry I would have is, yeah, that 
that heat escape in really, really quickly as soon as you open the door. And they're big. Those are usually kind of like mm. bigger and occupies a little bit more space. If you want to hear more about Even Heat Kilns, listen to uh, Spence uh, from Even Heat was on the Blacksmith's Pub, and they actually covered a lot of that. So he actually talked about that, that, you know, they're they're just, they're awkward to, you're, it's going to be awkward to get it out. And, you know, mm. I don't know if it's just, it just it seems like it's a lot of time, unless you have one. But it seems like a, if you're doing a couple knives, like you said, all that heat's going to come out of it and you're going to lose, you're going to, it's a lot of space for, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze, as they say. All right. Mr. Moonlight asks, um, apologize if it's already been covered, but I'd like more info on Craig's recycled water bottle process for handle material. I, I can't, it's a trade secret. I can't tell. All right. Well, how are they going? How's it going? <laughs> no, no, of course, of course. Um, basically, I, I've just ripped it straight off. Um, there's a website called preciousplastic.com, um, and they're all about getting people to recycle, recycle plastic, uh, particularly makers, and to use this material to do whatever you want. Now, they have a really good um, sections on there of, of the machines that you can build, which you can then use to, uh, to make these recycled plastics. Um, and to be honest, they've, it's amazing what they do there. So they've even got sort of businesses in a box that you can you can buy, and it'll be all the machines that you need, and they'll give you a business plan, and they'll give you all the rest. It, it, it's really, really nice. Oh, wow. um, but all I use it for is actually to make these sheets. So I don't have the the machinery. Uh, but saying that, I mean, even the plans to make the machine, they're all free on this website, so you, you know how to exactly how to make the machines. Um, but there's a company down in South Wales, which is where I'm from, who have the machines. So when I go back, I spent some time with them and we made a few sheets, um, which is why I've only got enough sheets left for this one more run um, of these new knives that I'm launching this week. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to get into it, it's super, super simple. Take a look at preciousplastics.com um, and... They're a they're, they're basically they're, I think they run as a charity. They're certainly a not for profit anyway, and they just want more and more people to use uh, recycled plastics to make stuff with. And some of the stuff on the site is amazing. People are making chairs and you know all this great stuff. So so go take a look. Preciousplastic.com. Love it. All right, this next one is from Maddie Oak. Yes, uh, what is your favorite knife you've ever made for someone? You want to kick it off, Jeff? Um. The one I'm, I'm working on a long, an 11 inch chef's knife for a guy, and I'm using some uh, Damascus from, uh, I got a nice chunk from Bob Rankin, sent me a nice Christmas Christmas chunk of Damascus, and I'm actually forging this 11 inch monster. And I'm, I'm really taking my time with it. I'm really enjoying working on it. It's a big old, big old monster. I never really make knives that long it's turning out really really good i'm really i'm super happy with it but the one that sticks out in my mind the most is i had a friend who was a new jersey state trooper and tell me if i've said this one before and he guess he i guess he hunts for hogs he hunts for wild pigs in florida i guess that's a big thing down there so he wanted a a hog spearing knife and i'm in bed this was a number of years ago and i'm just turning to my wife i'm like this guy wants to fucking, what am I, I'm a fucking, you know, what do I know about this? So I designed like basically a long, it's almost like a bayonet. And I was like, you know, it had to be long enough. And then I did a spear point just because I wanted it, I wanted it to be as humane as possible. You know, you don't want something to be dull and you don't want it to not pierce the chest of this, you know, whatever. And I called it the persuader. 
and it was a big long monster and this dude was a giant uh, new jersey state trooper and he came into my shop and he just started thrusting with it it was like it was like at a gladiator this guy was like a just a monster and he was just like thrusting this knife around um that was a fun knife it was a weird knife but fun the persuader it sounds like a patrick swayze character when I was a kid, my my dad, uh, when my parents got divorced, <clears throat> my dad took me to Africa. We we called it the uh, "I'm sorry, I divorced your mother" world tour, and we went on this <laughs> photo safari. And the guy who was driving the truck asked me to hold the the his rifle, and I said, "You want me to hold this rifle?" And he goes, "Oh, that's not a rifle. That's a persuader." So that's where that came from. Again, mm. yeah, I called it the persuader. Nice. What about you, Morocco? Any any favorite knife? Yeah, I built one. I think it was actually earlier this year, or sorry, earlier this year. Hasn't been very long. Uh, it was in August last year. Um, it was uh, it, it had kind of like a two tone koa. It had a very kind of like uh, flora kind of pattern to it. It, it looked like uh, I called it monarch fern because it looked like monarch ferns, for, which are uh, found all over Polynesia. And, uh, and I had some carving, I did some light carving, relief carving in the sides of the handle and stuff. And it was just, it was all kind of, it was all new stuff. Um, and, um, and it was, and it was kind of more fun because the customer, the customer gave me a lot of leeway. He said, you know, build a knife that you would want to have for yourself. And I actually had this steel set aside, the handle material set aside and, um, because I thought, you know, if I ever had the chance to build a knife for myself or had the extra time that I had, I had this idea for a knife. And then I came to the conclusion that that basically was never going to happen. And so I was like, screw it. Uh, I'd rather have this knife out in the world being used. And so I built that knife. Hmm. And so it was kind of the knife I would have built for myself if I had the chance. Um, yeah. That's a good reason to make it. Yeah. What about you, Craig? So... Yeah, so I'm just thinking that, and I think um, there's this old dude here in the village, and um, he's one of those guys, he's got a tool for everything, you know, so if, if I need something, I can always pop up to his house, and he's got this great big like chateau, this massive house, and multiple workshops, he's got everything, like five of everything, and he's always helping me out, because we're doing a lot to our house here, sort of renovations to the house, and if I need something, he's the man to go to. So I thought, let's let's make him a knife as a gift, and this was probably about probably about three years ago. Um, and the reason it's my favorite knife is because I still get to see it very often because he carries it with him every day. Um, and I don't generally get to see my knives once they've gone out to a customer. That I, you know, that's it. I don't see them. Um, but this was a the very first and the only bushcraft knife I've ever done until now without build along. Um, but what I really like about it is that um, I, I I think it was a poplar, so you know, quite a light wood. And um, I dyed it very quickly in a in a red dye, so it was like a pink. And then I'd stabilized it, so it only had a you know a very sort of surface level dye. So as he's been using it over the last couple of years, it's you can see you know the wear on the on the handle where you know where he's putting pressure and so on. That's like rubbing into the dye, That's so you can cool. see how it's being used. Um, but yeah, I I just don't get to see the knives that I've made, so it, it's I think this is my favorite because I, I see it probably once a week. You know, when I, when I see him, he always shows me that he's very proud of this knife, and it, you know, it's it's nice to see. So, yeah, I'd say that was my my favorite knife. Nice. 
The next question comes from Cypher Adam. Hey, cuties. I don't do too many knives, but, uh, but anytime I'm out doing something or a demo, someone always asks me if I would sharpen their knives. Do you guys ever get requests for people asking you to fix or sharpen uh, their broken knives? I definitely do. I've got sure. one now that I had two, two days ago. Somebody knocked on the door with a knife that was broken in half. The blade was broken in half. Not one of my knives, a shop-bought knife, asking if I could repair it. Mm. I was just like, nope. And he's like, well, if I leave it with you, could you do me a version of it? And I'm like, maybe over time. And, yeah, I don't think I ever will. But, yeah, I get it quite often. Yeah, I get people asking me that. Mostly it's friends, uh, which is fine from me because you know i'm but i'm not likely to build many of my friends knives but i'm happy to help them out with the knives they have um but for me i i kind of look at it as you know i can you know i've i've really i've fixed some really messed up edges too like with some serious chips along the edge edge damage um but even those kind of things take about 10 minutes for me to fix versus like basically <laughs> they would never be able to get it fixed otherwise and they'd have to go and completely reinvest in a whole new knife or something like that. And um, mm. so I've I've been happy to try to help folks out. You're nicer than me. Yeah. I hate doing I hate it when people ask me to do that shit. Oh, I'm not I saying actually, it's a good idea. I'm just saying uh, that's, well, that's what you, I do. You, just, I, I didn't say it was a good idea. I said you're a nice guy because I just don't <laughs> have that. I have a I did I did a solid for Kev, our boy Kev down at uh knife making down under. Remember that Kev? You see you owe me a beer. Don't forget. Don't you knife forget. talk down under, yeah. He yeah, he I he I I hooked him up cuz he had a in, inbound customer need a little help. <sighs> and for Kev, I opened the doors. But a funny story is I had a guy not too uh, come to my shop and he was a police officer New York City police officer and he said and we were talking for a while he's like you know my wife's got all these knives and he, they're so dull would you sharpen them for me and when it comes to the police firefighters I usually just like you know absolutely whatever you need you do enough whatever you need I'll, I'm, I'm for you I said and I made a joke I said as long as they're not Cutco knives he's like oh no don't worry about that shows up the next day with a box of Lucky Charms with the cereal taken <laughs> out of it with six Cutco knives, I had to resharpen. I was just like, "Officer, fucking, what did you do to me?" So I had to. I actually sharpened seven, six or seven Cutco knives. I was just like, and it was, it was just like, a, eh. yeah. I, I was happy. To, I said I'd do it. I did it. But then now it's like, yeah, I, I really don't like to. I don't. I feel. I don't feel comfortable sharpening other people's knives. I don't know why. I'm just. It's just not something I like to do. Yeah, I've sharpened. I uh, actually did some work on a, a, a knife maker friend's knife. Uh, somebody had bought, and I just, you know, they were taking a class. It was back when I was in Connecticut. They were taking a class with uh, Matt Parkinson, and uh, he asked if uh, the, the student asked if I would clean it up. And I messaged the maker of the knife, and I was like, "Hey, you know, you got this guy here. He's got one of your knives." It doesn't look like it needs much work. Uh, would you be comfortable with me tuning it up? And so he said, yeah. And so I tuned it up, took pictures of it, cleaned it up for him, and got gave it back to the customer. And, and the, Andy Billup is actually the maker. He's there in Connecticut as well. Um, but he, was, he said it looked good. And so, but it is very nerve-wracking uh, nerve to be working 100%. on somebody else's work. 
I, when I had when I was fixing Kev's knife, I was like, I don't want to do this. I it was a beautiful knife. I didn't want to do it. I did it. The nerve wracking is the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Here go and then you right before you here goes everything. Yeah. Here goes nothing. What are you gonna do? You pull your pants up and grab your testicles and just get right into it, right? <laughs> or just me. I guess that's just me. Sorry. It's just you, I think. Capnis's Blade Works, and I think this is Jennifer called John from Capnis's Blade Works says, What do you guys do when someone gets you angry in the workshop? He said he's in a, in a shared workspace and a guy got him so angry and he couldn't fucking work because we broke two wire handle cores. And this is something that he's never had happen to him oh, before. Wow. Any tips are appreciated. Wow. Ugh, Deep breath, John. Deep this. breath. Yeah. I have a funny sculpture. It's not funny. This actually was a really bad sculpture story. Is uh, Back in the day, I had a studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And I, I, I wasn't a shared space. But it was a shared hallway with a lot of different artists. And one of them was a famous artist. She was a very, very famous artist at the time. And we were... My studio is on Newton's Creek, which feeds into the East River. So we would go fishing. We would actually fish, and we'd, we wouldn't eat anything out of it, but it was fun, and we were on a dock. And so I had my fishing gear on by the door, and if the, if, if, you know, if the stripers are running or something, we'd fool around and sit, sit on the dock. And, and I didn't see this woman. She shared a uh, stairway with me, and, and, and I didn't see her for a couple months. I was like, oh, I wonder what that's all about. One day she came in. And she says, I want to tell you why I haven't come into this, to my shop in a while. It's because I know you stole my husband's fishing gear. And I've been so distraught, I couldn't come into the shop for two months. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And she goes, you have your fishing gear up there, and I know that's my husband's stuff. And I was like, Madam, why would I steal your fishing gear? And I, at the time, with all the fishing lures I had, I was spending so much money on on Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. It was like I had receipts that were like an arm's length. And I started pulling out receipts. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I certainly, and every, no matter what I said, she didn't, she just didn't believe me. And I said, listen, I'm telling you, there's no reason why I would do something so crazy. And I would steal your husband's fishing gear and then I'd put it in front of him so you could see it. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? And then I started pulling out all these receipts. I'm like, look at all this money I spent. Here's $400 here, $300 here. Why would I spend, why would I steal your husband's stuff if I'm buying it all? It was just, it was like, no matter what I said, she just wouldn't believe me. It was, it was, it, and it was, it hurt me because I was just like, I would fucking steal your stupid rubber worms. But that was, um, I mean, you know, some people you just, you can't get to. That was a hard one, man. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. I just think if if somebody's driving you to be that angry, I just think you need to spend as little time with them as possible because life's too short to be around people who are uh, making you feel that way, I think. But people get that in, like, metal shops. I remember working with a guy in a metal shop. He was He was awful. I mean, he was just like completely 100% it just made you crazy you know I, I I think that I hate to tell you this John but you had to get the fuck out of that shop get yourself a shop that you know you get good vibes in or you tell them to leave you alone 
people get very, you know, people get a little bit selfish with your time. They they think that just because you have a shared space, maybe you want to go out for a cigarette or you want to take a break together. You got you got things to do. You could just, you know, you have to set the tone and say, look, I'm here. The the clock is the 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 meter's running on me on what I have to do right now. So I need to focus. So I, yeah. Yeah, so when I worked in Connecticut with Dragon's Breath Forge, you know, there's four of us in that shop, and there would be days I would specifically kind of coordinate my forging day when I knew that the other guys didn't have forging done uh, to do because they had, like, I could tell they had they had their own projects that they had just finished forging or heat treating or whatever, and um, it seemed like any time I would light up the forge motherfucker somebody would come over and be like oh do you mind if i just stick this in here and do a little work and i'm just like get the fuck out of here <laughs> it used to drive me fucking crazy uh especially when i was doing like my mosaic tile weld ups like you you kind of like you you need the forge to hold the temperature and anytime you add other stuff it pulls the temperature down and just starts messing with it and there's a part of all this Damascus welding that feels like black magic voodoo. And if somebody's messing with that while you're trying to do your thing, oh boy, it's frustrating. Cause last, yeah. Anyways, there, I, I finally just had to be square with them and be like, listen, I understand that you see the forge on and you think, oh, while it's on, I might as well try to get this shit done. But I'll tell you what, I need you to stay out of the forge while I'm working in it. I specifically tried to forge when you weren't forging. Please stay out of here. And that was it. He's like, oh, sorry, I didn't know. And it's like, it's because you weren't fucking thinking about anybody else but yourself. So, oh. <laughs> Maraca, yeah, right? Do you, did you used to work with John from Katniss's <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, you know, you got to organize your time. I am a big fan of having your own shop. I can't yeah. work around other people. I sure. don't want to chat. I don't want to talk. I know guys who who have a hard time motivating. So when you're working, they want to chat and they don't realize they don't realize that your time is like I said, you're yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> you're when you're in the shop, the meter's running. The meter's yeah. running. So you, I think that you could be, you know, you don't have to scream and holler at them, but you could just let them know saying, you know, listen, this is something I need to do. I need to focus because I got to pay the bills. And if I don't get this done in a specific time, it's not going <laughs> to, I can't make this happen. So yeah. I think that, you know, being very clear and square and organize your time and maybe organize around not being around this guy, but yeah. fucking get out of that shop. Man. Get yeah. out of that shop. I mean, I never yelled and hollered at anybody. That's kind of what my internal dialogue is. Otherwise oh, I would okay, just have good. like a forced smile and be like, please stay out of here. Yeah. I'm trying to work, yeah. um, but that's how I, that's how I felt on the inside. <laughs> you know, I got a funny, I got a last funny story. I was at a shop where this guy we were working with was a super know-it-all. Like, you know, he was the topper. Like you would say something and then he would top the, you know, top it with, <laughs> oh yeah, well I do. You know, everything was, a, he had to, it was a strange situation. So when we would have lunch, we'd be talking about stuff and some things would come up and, you know, we could always tell if he didn't know, he would just keep his mouth shut. So if something he had nothing, he knew nothing about, he wouldn't say a word. And then that night you could tell that he did a shit ton of research so then the next day, all of a sudden, he was a fucking master at whatever we were talking about. Like, we were just like, it was so obnoxious. And we were just like, God damn you. We know that you just went on the internet and just took notes for the conversation for the next day. <laughs> Come on, dude. You didn't say a fucking thing yesterday. And all of a sudden, now you're a genius. Get the fuck out of here. 
Yes. Well, if you're dealing with geniuses, what you need to do is figure out how to work smarter. John, I'm talking to you, John. When you're working with that guy who's driving you crazy, you got to work smarter. And one of the ways you can work smarter is using better sandpaper. Get yourself some RhinoWet from Indos USA. It's better sandpaper. All sandpaper is not the same. There, I trust me. I've been to places. Guys sold me sandpaper. It was for sheetrock. Don't use the sheetrock for metalwork. You want to deal with sandpaper that's for metalwork. And RhinoWet makes Indos uh, USA makes RhinoWet for metalwork. And if you go to Texas Farrier Supply, you can buy all the RhinoWet you want at with and use Knife Talk Ten, and you get ten percent off. And if you don't believe me, just get some 220. 220 is the basis for all the rhino wet, in my opinion. I think that's the that's what I when I hand sand, I start with 220. Get yourself some 220 rhino wet at Texas Farrier Supply. Put in Knife Talk 10, and you can thank us later. Or you don't even thank us. <laughs> no, thank us. We like we like to know. Eh, it's nice to be thanked. Eh, thank me. It's fine. You can thank us. All right, this next question comes... Let's do another question. Yeah, this next one comes from Big Forge Blacksmithing. Uh, he says, I have, I've been offered uh, the use of a workspace since I don't have a shop at the moment. The only problem uh, with it is that it only has one door to the outside. Is one door enough ventilation? Or is there a way that I could create some more ventilation in the space? Put a hole in the wall. Is he? Do you think he's talking about um, gases from the forge or just dust, metal dust? What, what, what do you think the situation is there? Well, uh, we could cover all of it. I mean, yeah, I think all of it. Yeah, you know, I'm glad this came up because I've got a question regarding ventilation myself, and it's probably quite similar. Um, but yeah, I mean, in my in my shop here, I've only got one door, one door to the outside, and the other door goes into the house. So we don't want anything going into the house. So we, everything's going to go out that one door. So um, in these summer months, I just basically have the door open and I have a fan pointing outwards. So it'll suck the air through and out of the door, um, which gets rid of a lot of dust and that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't forge, so I don't have any forge gases building up or anything. For me, it's all about dust and, you know, metal dust and that kind of thing. But um, just last week, or the week before, rather, my father-in-law was here and he built a, um, a grinding room for me. So I've got my grinders now in a room. But um, there's no ventilation at all in this grinding room, which is ridiculous because, you know, obviously wear a mask and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So um, my question is, which is I'm going to piggyback on on this question there really is, um, if I wanted to use um, almost like a shop vac, yeah. uh, but instead of going into a bag, which these things normally have, just go into a vent to the outside. Would that be strong enough? Do you think just put all the to pull all the dust and air out as I'm doing it, just to just to push it straight outside the house? How close are you I've to never, your neighbors? Oh, there's no, there's no neighbors oh, okay. involved there. But you're gonna like yeah. spray the side of their house with all your with all the fucking <laughs> yeah. whatever is going through. You got like a fire hydrant of shit coming out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it basically just it would just be for the grinding room. Just as I'm grinding, you know, all that all that crap that gets in the air just to keep that air as, as clear as possible i know some people use those those sealing filters you know but i know the filters get filled up really quickly and no yeah. one be asked so my plan is not to use a filter just to use a fan and just get the air straight out do you think that would work and, and if so maybe that could work for this guy too i don't know yeah i mean that's what i've done especially at my new place like i i just had the one door 
coming into the shop, but uh, I just talked to the building owner, the owner of the property, and I said, hey, you know, how do you feel about me putting a ventilation fan in um, just to help mm-hmm. circulate air through? And he was all right with it. Um, so that's what I did. But if you cannot do that, yeah, doing a shop vac kind of dust collection system is the way. Uh, I will warn, though, that you don't want to collect necessarily wood and steel in the same place because when those sparks go flying down, they're going to set something on fire. But what you can do, there are these things called a cyclonic dust collecting system. And basically what it does is it, it... you can even, I think people sometimes even put water in them to help um, with how they work. But basically, uh, they're hard to explain, but look it up. But it's bas- basically a cone that you hook up to your shop vac and and then that goes to, you know, underneath your grinder. And the dust goes into a separate bin and it helps prevent uh, almost any dust, on- only like the finest dust is going into your shop vac. Um, but also you can do like a water purge, kind of like a bong <laughs> in a way, so that uh, so you're getting clean yeah. air in, in through the shop vac. But yeah, you if you're going to use an air collect, dust collection for metal and wood, you got to be very, very careful. I use the shop vac only for when I'm using, when I'm grinding the handles, the wood of the G10, because it's exactly yeah. that. You can, you can, you know, especially if you, ha- if you're, if you have the, uh, dust collection you have a shop vac filled with dust that's right because you have all that air it's like it ignites so and then i just shoot i shoot the steel into a bu- in a bucket of water I, I my i change out just between steel and um the steel goes in the bucket and then when i pull out the shop vac when i'm using for wood a lot of it's because and i always have a respirator on by the way yeah. somebody had sent us a message about ppe I always, when I'm grinding, no matter what I'm doing, I always have a respirator on it. And I tell you what, I feel so much better. Like back oh, in yeah. the day when I was in a metal shop, we never used respirators. Even when we were grinding with, by, with four and a half inch grinders, whatever. And I would always feel a little bit, Ugh. now that I wear respirators all the time, I feel better. Like I don't feel yeah. gross. It's a big difference. I can tell oh. some, some days, I don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe I think I'm just, doing a quick little bit of grinding and I don't need a respirator even that little bit by the end of the day my lungs feel absolutely horrible Uh, it's exactly and the thing is is if you get a good fitting the best uh, I got a 3m respirator the first one I got that I really loved was from a welding supply store because it, it it was low profile the 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 cans were low profile so you could fit under your welding helmet right I wore it i was so comfortable i forgot i wore it i was wearing it the, i wore it the whole day i had completely it felt so comfortable i couldn't even i didn't even realize that i had it on all day um one last thing about ventilation with a forge is you got to be crazy careful because i get really nervous when people are lighting gas forges in their house like be, or in the garage or, or inside a space because what happens is obviously you're you know you're eating up the the oxygen in the air and then you're spitting out the co2 or car are the carbon monoxide and the carbon dioxide or whatever someone's gonna say you you know you know what i'm saying you're just you're changing the atmosphere in the in the space so if you don't have a lot of uh, ventilation 
you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. And I told the story about Darren Fisher. We, you know, we changed the environment in the room very slowly and your body slowly gets used to it. And that's when you got problems. I mean, um, but uh, it's really, really important to, as if you're going to forge sometimes, like you were saying a couple of months ago, uh, Mareko, is you, you keep it close to the, close to the outside, you know? Yeah. You just don't want to have, you just, you don't even realize it. It's not like one second you're just like, oh, it's getting a little stuffy in here. You, your lungs and your body gets used to the change in the atmosphere. And then, then it can be too late. That's why they don't want you using uh, like those uh, salamander propane forges inside houses. Cause that's how you kill people. You know, that's, you know, you're, you're just, your body does not, you know, it's not a switch off. It's, you just don't realize it. So I have a, I have a big, uh, gate uh door and actually after that whole uh darren fisher incident um when i moved into the shop i got a deal on a uh a hood a restaurant hood and it's just a little bit of i don't have to worry about someone being in in trouble i don't i don't want i don't want anyone to be in trouble i worry about ventilation a lot yeah so this guy has only got one door so what would you suggest get a few fans and get the air moving in there and keep that door open what's his uh I guess, you know, even even when I had my little shed, I had an extra, I had extraction fans going, just a, a box fans leading out of the shop through the door. You know, you just want to have an, some sort of an exchange of air. You need some sort of, uh, uh, you have to cycle that air somewhere. So you could, I would imagine, if you were in, the, in, a, in a pinch, you could have... Uh, a box fan on the back of your shop blowing out the door. So it was, you know, the fresh air is coming out to the top and the, the shitty air is coming to the bottom. You got to figure out a way to recycle the air, you know, and you just, yeah. that's, that's, you have to do it. Okay. There we go. Um, one last question from Darren Paul says, Hey cuties, can I ask you a question? I'm at the point every knife maker seems to be at at some point, And it's time to upgrade his belt grinder. So he's made do with a modified 2x42 grinder for long enough. and He's in the market for a 2x72. So he's willing to shell out the money for quality. So his main question is, do we have a preferred brand I should look for? And is variable speed necessary? He says, thanks for the input. And we've also had another question from um, paulm.fr. And it's quite similar. He asked, what is the most important criteria when looking to buy a grinder? So, Mareko, what do you use, and and yeah, and what is the most important thing when when choosing that first big grinder? Yeah, so I use an AMK, uh, who used to be one of our sponsors. Uh, it's a good machine, but I I've been using it, I think, about a year now, and I definitely know that there are a lot of changes that I would make to it. And not that, again, not that it doesn't function well, but to make it function better for how I use grinders. Um, And I think part of my biggest, or my biggest issue with the AMK is is the kind of like lock-in you get because they use the extruded aluminum arms. And so while most other grinder manufacturers use a square, square stock holding arm, and there's a lot of flexibility there. So if you buy one of one kind and buy one of another kind, you can still use the arms interchangeably. Um, and you can't do that with AMK. And I had to kind of rig up my own situation so that I could still use my square square arms or square like square stock arms. Right. Um, 
as well as the AMK and um, kind of extruded aluminum setup. Um, yeah, so uh, there, but there are a lot of really great manufacturers out there. Uh, I've worked, one of the ones I found that are kind of like the best bang for your buck that I've worked on extensively is a fear grinder, which is a manufacturer based out of, uh, Oregon, uh, uh, Oregon state here in the United States. Uh, it's P H E E R. I think he owns, uh, two X 72 grinder.com. Um, but if you look up fear grinder, they're just really great. The way he builds them, um, they're super solid. I I've had almost no problem or ever felt like I was bogging them down. Um, there's a lot of flexibility. They use this square tool arm and there's a lot of flexibility in using that with other grinders, uh, tool arms from other grinders. And, um, is that a kit when it comes, it's a kit. It can be a kit. So he sells them as fully assembled and sent to you or, um, or you can get them kind of in parts and then assemble it yourself. And basically you save money based on the fact that you are building, you're putting it together yourself versus him putting it together. Uh, another manufacturer who does that, who's actually here in my hometown in Olympia is Iron Creek Metal Art. He's on Instagram as it's iron underscore creek underscore metal underscore art. He He's a retired army veteran who is a who is uh, an engineer and a metal fabricator, and he's been building these grinders that are phenomenal, and they have an incredible amount of flexibility and kind of, they're I call them like the little transformer of 2x72-inch grinders. And he does the same kind of thing where like he'll set, he'll mail you to parts, and he has videos for, for the whole doing all the setup and everything, but because you're saving him time in doing that setup you, you get a basically a, you get a discount um or a better price for it and they're only like a couple thousand dollars which is hard to beat these days for a two by 72 inch grinder especially with how popular kind of the industry has become and how many people are looking for two by 72 inch grinders mm. um mm. mike galushi is a good guy so i would definitely check him out as well what do you think craig cool um, well, I've got two grinders, and they're both very different. So the first was um, basically the cheapest that I could find when I was when I was about to, you know, go up from one of those one by thirty six to a, to a two by seventy two, and that was made um, by some dude in Greece. And funny enough, it's his son who now runs KnifePrint.com. Huh. Um, but anyway, so that was you know the only grinder I used for a long time. Um, but probably about 18 months ago, I had the new grinder from Clarix Metalworks, and that's their, I think they call it the Pro V2. Um, they're European-based, so they're made in Bulgaria, but the quality is incredible. So I, I've only got good things to say about them, really. They, like Morocco said, the, you know, you want something where you can use variable, you know, various tool arms if you've got tool arms from another grinder and stuff, so... They've got two versions. You can buy ones with the 1.5-inch tool arms, or you can get the, the European version, which is a 30-millimeter tool arm. Slightly different, so make sure you pick the right one so you can you know, you know, can use these interchangeable tool arms from other grinders as well. Um, but, yeah, it was just really, really flexible. And I think if you were buying your first grinder, you want that one grinder to be as flexible as possible. Um, maybe in the future you'll have multiple grinders for different setups, but if it's just the one... 
get it to be really flexible. And a number of them now, including this Clarix one, will flip to become a horizontal grinder. Um, various tool arms you can use, such as you know small wheel attachments, big wheels, and all that kind of thing. Um, he also asked about um, variable speed. How important is it? Now, I didn't think it would be important until I had one. And this Claric grinder has a uh, has a VFD, and it makes a huge, huge difference, um, particularly when it comes to like handle shaping, that kind of thing as well. We're using wood, where you want to slow things right down. Um, yeah, I'd say if you can if you can stretch that little bit extra, definitely go for a VFD. It'll just make the machine so much more flexible for you. And I know upgrading to a VFD later on can sometimes be problematic depending on the kind of motor you have. So if you just get one with a VFD to begin with, you're going to be good. Um, so, yeah, so I know in Europe and in the US, you're going you're gonna to have different options, really, because a lot of the big name grinders, they don't ship out of the US. Or if they do, you're going to have a big sales tax and delivery bill. Um, but I do know Clarix will actually ship to the US for around about four or $500. Um, and their their top of the line Pro V two is round about sixteen hundred euros to buy. So again, for run about run about two grand, you're gonna have a you know a really solid machine that's really flexible and that you can grow with over time as well. Um, but I haven't really played with anything else. I've I've got, I've got this these two grinders, and they're the only grinders I've ever used. But I'm I'm very happy with the Clarix one. Yeah, I <clears throat> my first grinder was a KMG, and I just got I got two KMGs. That I like there. And you know what, what Moreco brought up is about the tool arms is, is, is important because, you know, if you have a standard um, <coughs> size for a tool arm, you can buy parts and then make your own tool arm. And then that makes it much more you know, uh, flexible. Like I had, <clears throat> I got some small contact wheel attachments and I was able to just buy, get a piece of, I don't know, was it inch and a quarter by inch and a quarter or whatever it was, inch and three. And I don't know, I think it was like inch and a half or two inches. And I was able to make um, the tool arm very simply. Uh, I like the KMGs, but I'm really excited, <clears throat> pardon me, is I'm actually going to be doing my own sponsorship with, uh, Broadbeck Ironworks. I like Vince and Ryan. Um, they're knife makers making grinders for knife makers. And they're going to be coming up here pretty soon with uh, their Broadbeck Ironwork grinder. I'm really excited to, to, to fool around with that. And they're doing all these parts like they're doing surface grinder attachments and all sorts of stuff and i'm really looking forward to having a vft because i have a vft on my on my disc grinder which is awesome but i don't have it on my kmgs and i hate swapping down the the belts because it's like i got the belts i got the motor super tight to the machine so swapping it out is not very quick and i don't i, I it's like i'm looking forward to a vft because i do swap between it's you know, fast and slow. So, but the most important thing is, is a lot of people say, well, what should I do? Get the, the reason why people like a two by 72 is because you, like we were saying before, you get those long belts. So you have more abrasive. You're using the belts longer with, you know, the longer, the, the longer the belt, the, the longer you're going to last. Yeah. And they're just easier to find those belts too, because it's a bit of a standard two by 72. Um, the likes of combat and so on, they've got all the grits that you'd ever want. So, yeah, it, it'd be a fantastic upgrade for you. Definitely get a 2x72. But, um, yeah, if you can stretch to it, get yourself a VFD. And P.S., I've gotten uh, uh, somebody sent me some uh, belts in millimeters. And because you have the adjustment, you can, you can you know, even if it's close to 2x72, you can, you, can, yeah. you can make it happen with something a little bit 
smaller or larger. Yeah, so I, mean, I think the standard is like 50 by 2,000 millimeters, which is near enough 2 by 72 inches anyway. So yeah, with that little bit of adjustment, you'll be, you'll be good to go. Shall we take some tips? See. Hey, you. You know what you should do? Okay, we've had some tips from you guys. So I'll jump in with the first one from Zed Henry Studio. You know what you should do when using aluminium file guides. Be careful not to over-tighten the guide as the aluminium will flex around your blade and the carbide plates can and will pop off. He says, appreciate the show and all the great suggestions. That is true and it does happen. Who wants to take the next one? Uh, okay. Well, this one comes from Wandering Priest. Hey, cuties, just a tip. I hear first aid gear near at hand in the shop or forge, including a clotting trauma bandage, tourniquet, and burn gel pads. These are worst-case scenario items, but it's better to have them and not need them than the other way around. Help received. Alex Steele for pushing this. Yeah. Yeah, we all need those things strapped to our legs. Just in case the the end of the world is coming, I love my my first. I got a I got a nice first aid box, and I filled it with stuff that I use a lot, which is band aids. And I actually also have on my wall by my bathroom. I have a first aid kit, and I have an eye wash station. And I love, I love it. I'm in there. I'm not in there every day, but like, it, get a good first aid kit it's you'll be happy when you have it yeah yeah I, I got band-aids and super glue right now but i i do need to upgrade and i've been looking at those one that alex or alec is uh pushing you put it on your leg yeah carry it around on my leg all the time all day every day uh, i was actually thinking about fashioning a hat out of it you know, like a good. fishing hat with like your fishing lures on top. Yeah, the you lures know? hanging off the side. I got my band aids. I got my scissors. I got my tourniquet. SpongeBob band aids on that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, they're selling the new Leatherman Raptor, and my wife got me that for Christmas. The Leatherman Raptor. It is a tight. It is an awesome uh, EMT scissors. Nice. I like what Leatherman does. They're, they kind of make really interesting things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The next one is from Mike DePel, blacksmith. Uh, it says, if you use your home oven to temper, you can bake a pineapple pizza at the same time while you temper. Pizza stones work great for thermal mass and indirect heat. There you go. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes to make <laughs> it. That's like... a good tip, actually, about the stone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah I, was, I thought the pizza out. was a really good tip. <laughs> you, know what the you know what's funny? I had a pizza stone a long time ago, and I just decided I would just keep it in the oven all the time. And my mother-in-law was cooking in our kitchen. She's like, what is going on with your oven? She's like, something's wrong with your oven. We got to get somebody in there. Because the pizza stone was in there, it took too long to get to 400 degrees or whatever. Like, but it wasn't, I was having a hard time getting the oven to where it needed to be. And it, it like, it made some sort of mistake with the, uh, with the readout and stuff like that. So I, you have to really, if you get a pizza stone, you got to keep it in there for a long, long time. Before yeah. you make sure that you're at the right temperature. Eh, pineapple pizza. Enjoy oh, it. Makes sense. Yeah. And stainless steel, P.S., is the best stuff to temper in your oven, in your home oven, because there's no oil. You're plate quenching that stainless steel. You No one's going to get mad that you're tempering your, you're not mm. getting any oil burnt off in your home oven. Oh, boy, this is going to be a good one. Jesse M. Christofferson. When welding or fabricating, do not use chlorinate, chlorinated brake cleaner. 
due to the chemical comp- chemical composition of oh geez, tech rock truck block block macalicabaline. That's what it says. Exactly what it says. When this chemical is exposed to excessive heat in argon used in MIG and TIG welding, it also produces phosphine gas, which is fatal at four parts per million. Symptoms can be delayed from six to 48 hours after exposure. There is no antidote for phosphine gas. Long-term effects can be chronic bronchitis and emphysema. You guys rock. Carry on. Oh, shit. Don't, Don't burn your brake fluid. Don't weld next to your brake fluid. Yikes. Yeah, we've been very brake cleaner heavy the last few episodes. They like brake everything. They like it. Yeah. I don't. Know. I can you can you read what I fucked up that the tetrachloroethylene whatever thylene something tetrachloroethylene. You're better than I am. Congratulations. Something like that. Yeah. Community showcase. Okay. Well, this is the part of the episode where we give a little love to someone we like or we think you should like or is just doing good things in the world. Craig, would you like to kick things off? Yeah, well, um, I heard about this person this week because they're doing the Knife Talk Build Along and they shared the Knife Talk BA um, hashtag and I was just looking through to see you know, what, who was posting what. And I saw Brian House at um, house underscore work so he's doing the build along with his son, um, um, but he also does great YouTube videos, um, really well, you know, high production values to both his his videos and his Instagram stuff as well, Instagram pictures. Um, but I noticed on Instagram he's got very few followers, and that surprised me because it's, it's just all really high quality stuff. And I said he does these great instructional videos on YouTube. So go take a look. It's um, Brian House, and he's on Instagram as House underscore Work. Thanks. Well, this week I we got? I don't know if we've done uh, Joseph Scrum before. Um, oh yes, Good have one. we? No, keep going. Yeah, so Halcyon Forge. Uh, he I can't I believe he's based in the United States. He does phenomenal work though, and he's been doing a lot of feather Damascus chef's knives, integrals, non-integrals. He just he does really clean work. A lot of very very clean forging. When I first started following his stuff. He was doing a lot of kind of uh, kind of brute to forge, uh, sand my style work. Um, but all of his stuff is absolutely beautiful and, and worth a look. And uh, it's, it's really uh, just the quality and execution is really high level. And um, he definitely deserves a shout out. So go check him out on Instagram, Halcyon Forge, and uh, get inspired. Nice. I would like to give a little love to a guy who's super supportive and he's a good blacksmith. His name is Dark State Forge. That's Jason Figridoa. Figrid Ugh, I fucked it up, Jason. I'm sorry. It's Figrido. Figrido. Ugh, fuck you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jason. Um, Figurito. It's that's what it is. It's Jason Figurito. Can I just say in the notes? That's what <laughs> Jeff has written the notes down. He's written how you say but your name. So he's got but, Jason Fig Read. But that's what he did in his Instagram, Dark State Forge. So ah, okay. I, I did it the way he did it, thinking I'm not going to fuck his name up. So yeah, Dark State. He's a good dude. He 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 forges. He's actually working on some punches. You know, some uh, he's doing some railings right now, and he he does blacksmithing. But he's a good guy, super supportive. He he does a lot of hard work in his shed or his his garage, and uh, he's just a good 
He's a good all-around guy. He's been super supportive of me, and I'm very appreciative of him. I'm sorry I screwed your name up. I just listened to what you said. Dark State Forge. Give him a follow. Good dude. Nice. There we go. We got beef. Beefs. Those things that really wind us up. Um, and I'll jump straight in with the first one. So we're coming close to the end of January, and it's still Christmas in my house. Oh. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're complete and utter gluttons. Every Christmas, we just go for it, and we just buy in so much, like, food and snacks and, like, stuff that's bad for you. And it's still in the house, and, like, every evening, my wife and I, were just like, right, no more, no more. We need to stop. Put it all the way into a cupboard. Then we're just like, oh, let's just finish it because then the temptation is gone. So we've got tubs and tubs of chocolates and all these things. And every night we're chipping away. We're trying, we're doing the best we can to get rid of it. We're chipping away every single night. And it's just, it's getting ridiculous. We, yeah, I think we're going to be going into February and it's still going to be Christmas in the Lockwood house. So I think the time has come to call it a day. It's beaten us this year. We can't actually eat our Christmas snacks. They're going to have to go away into a cupboard and hopefully they'll last until next year. Just throw time. them out. Oh, it, I'm so weak-willed when it comes to food. If I know something's there in the cupboard, I'm, I can't sleep. I'm just like, I, I need to go and get it. And it, it's the, this time of the year is always the worst as well because it gets dark early and, you know, we're, we're just – it just seems late all the time. So we're always – you know, we ended up watching, like, long TV series and we get all the snacks out. And it, it's got to come to an end, but I can't quite bring myself to do it, so – I'm hoping by saying this publicly, that means I've got to do it. Uh, no more chocolates, no more snacking, no more TV. Let's get to bed early and get up early in the morning and do a good day's work. Nice. Yeah, you're not just because you said it doesn't mean you're gonna do it. I know. <laughs> As I'm saying that, I've got a big, I've got a big yeah. tin of chocolates here on my desk. A big tin of chocolates. <laughs> What's a big tin of chocolates? Tin. A big tin oh, of chocolates. I thought you said I got a big <laughs> a tin big... of chocolate. Like, it's giving me big tits. I, I can tell girl. you that. You eating a lot of chocolate, girl? <laughs> uh, what have you got, Morocco? I so my beef this week is people at airports, and I don't know what it is about being in an airport that makes people so shitty. Um. But just like how they engage, uh, you know, interact on the on the actual flight, whether it's putting like carry-ons overhead or I don't know, just being rude to each other. And it's like, look, we're in this together. Let's just we don't have to be terrible to each other. But you know, seeing people uh, walk by each other and uh, like, uh, what is it? Like when people are getting off an airplane and. You know, maybe somebody happens to be walking slow in front of them and the other person must have a a short connection or something like that. And just watching, I like I sat there and watched people just like, oh, you stupid fucker, like I got to go. And it's like, how how do they know? How do they know? They don't know. They're they're trying to figure out where their next flight is or where baggage claim is. I mean, it's you step off the plane. Sometimes you're so discombobulated. And um it's just, I don't know. It's just rude shit like that. Or the people sitting next to you. I don't know how, like, I, I'm i a broke bitch. And so I always pay for the cheapest flight I can get, which usually gets me stuck in between two people. And I'm not narrow. And so I do everything I can 
to stay, you know, I cross my arms. I don't, yeah. I don't even use the armrests when I'm stuck in the middle. But when <laughs> I'm on an edge, whoever is in the middle seems to always just like spread out as much as possible. And so I've actually started playing this kind of like sex, sex chicken game. <laughs> Have Whoa. you guys ever heard of sex chicken? Whoa, sex what chicken game? What the fuck is going on <laughs> here? Chocolate tits <laughs> to sex chicken? What is sex going on? Game. Sex chicken Jesus. is usually something you play with friends where you like try to weird them out. <laughs> How close are these friends? Jeez Louise, go ahead, wait a second, stop everything. You're playing sex chicken with your friends? What is this sex now, chicken? But I do this to strangers. That's the best part. Well, when I'm, especially like if I'm sitting like next to a dude that I can tell who's like, "Ooh, I'm tough man," and I'm gonna spread the fuck out and all that shit. And uh, I, I just say like, I don't know. I, I wait a second. Them, I'll let them wait. rub legs and knees and arms, and I'll just like kind of like I'll pretend I'm like adjusting my sh- my shoulders bothering me and my arms rubbing on them, and it freaks them out. It's hilarious. It cracks me up. That's called sex, sex chicken? chicken. So rub it up I, on someone's it, called sex. No, no, no. That's what I'm calling that. I'm just trying to make them feel awkward and oh. uncomfortable as possible. You're just trying and to feel people chicken. up on. So you're the creep. <laughs> on you're the creep. Yeah. They're annoying, but you're the creep. Well, I'm being creepy to people to no. fuck with them sex in that way. But. That's, that's what creeps. So you know, God bless you. I, I, I just added I, I, myself as a sex chicken player. Uh, well, I think you just named the episode. <laughs> Fortunately, fine. But uh, you know what? I do. I do think that we've gotten more casual on air flights. Like I remember as a kid, you know, people would be a little bit more well. You know, they you treat it not like you're going coming down from your bedroom to your living room in your pajamas. Like I right. think people are a little bit more too casual on planes. And then that casualness leads to just being a little bit more impolite. You know, the worst people on, on, on planes are the wheels are just about to touch the ground. You're just about to land and you hear them unbuckling. They're up, they're standing up, they're trying to get their bags out. Whoa, the plane is still moving. Just calm down a little. They're not worse than the people who clap. When they land, oh jeez, what's wrong with those people? We have talked about that before. Yeah, the <sighs> people who clap when they land, when the pilot lands, is like, come on, man, you got to act like you've been here before. Yeah, please, it's embarrassing. I actually, I haven't heard that in a long time. And when I first started flying, like in my early twenties, I used to hear it all the time. I don't hear it yeah. as much anymore. But yeah, that is. Uh, I, there's a budget it, airline over here called Ryanair, and every time it lands, it, it they they play this like tune over the time like da, 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 as if like congratulations you didn't die it's just ridiculous <laughs> but in regards to you be you getting i always look for the cheapest i i don't want i don't want to be on that plane any longer than possible so i don't i just i always go for the cheapest flight just because i'm just like i'm only going to be on this thing for a couple hours there's no reason to spend more money to be comfortable for a couple hours yeah, um, I, I totally understand that but Air travel has gotten much more. Uh, actually, I was uh, last time I was flying, I was sitting next to a German guy, and he was very like you know very austere. And I bring mints with me because I I'm always afraid my breath is bad. So I was eating a mint, and I could see him looking down, looking down at my box of mints, and I was like, "Well, you gotta fucking offer him one now." So I just give him the mint. I was, "Would you like a mint?" And he takes one, and he goes, "Thank you." And then that was the end of it. It was like this weird German, <laughs> this totally weird German. He was like, 
kind of irritated that he had to say thank you. It was, it was funny. Contend well, if a sex chicken next time. There you go. Yeah. Just start rubbing <laughs> elbows with them. I'm rubbing, I ain't rubbing with anybody. I ain't rubbing with anybody. I, I'm always so, I don't, I'm afraid of, I don't like sitting next to people anyway. I don't like travel. I don't like people. All right. So after being, <laughs> spending the day in a hospital with some sick people, I felt like I don't really have any beefs. Um, except I remembered that I got a customer who loves to use voiced text messages for me for his oh, emails geez. jesus christ some of you guys have got to learn just because you press send that doesn't mean you're done you've got to learn how to communicate in a way that people understand don't make me work to try to it was like i want to read some of these but it's like um you know that thing we talked about um but it, you know uh, you know like that thing but 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 it's like you Writing, I think writing is very similar to knife making, where you have a set, you have a set of systems that you string together to make what you're trying to do. And I think that a lot of you guys, they say, well, you know, I don't, I sucked at school, LOL. It doesn't mean you can't learn to be better at writing down what you have to say and, and expressing yourself in a way that people understand. I have had this one particular guy, Tony will send me a message saying, I, I can't even... It's typed, but I can't understand anything that this guy's saying. Please, get better yourself. I think you got to learn how to. You got to learn how to communicate in a way that people can understand you. Mm. I think this beef section just shows that the three of us just don't like people. That's, that's all it boils down to. You said earlier, don't like people. Every week we prove that. hundred uh, percent. Annoying people. Yeah, just annoying people. Take people. So rather than, people. rather than go out on, on a downer, so at the beginning of the show, we talk about what we did last week. So what is your dream for this week? What's the best possible thing that can happen to you this week? Marekko, let's start with you. I love it. For me, uh, let's see. I think... I have a project actually that I started before I left for Atlanta. So ideally, I'd love to get that done by the end of the week, get it mailed out, get paid for it, and move on to the next one. That's a good dream. That's what I'd love. Possible. You can do it. We we believe in you. Old-fashioned production. Dream music. Here it comes. I love the the harp. that music i'm so calm now so calm well what is your dream music thing Ooh, um let me you come up with... <laughs> you I'm... came up with this bit you didn't even figure out what you were doing <laughs> yeah this is the spur of the moment thing um i think have a a good launch to the uh sustainable knife on friday that's the 31st um, and just get everything ready beforehand. So I'm not doing like I normally have to do is the last minute running around trying to get pictures and putting the website together. And, you know, I want everything to be calm, all done. Um, they, they, there's this company who they they make jackets. They're called Painter Jacket. And I, and I sort of know them a bit. But they do, they do a similar thing where every three months they launch uh, a new jacket. And it's limited, the amount you can buy. And that keeps them busy for the next three months. And that's the way I'd like to see Chop go in. Have a product every three months, sell them, then make them next three months do the same again. Um, And they do it so well. So basically, I've copied their playbook completely. So I'm hoping 
it's all going to come together and things will work well. So, yeah, here's to Friday. That sounds so nice. nice. What have you got, Jeff? Well, I'm hoping I get everything. <laughs> this, by the way, uh, this angel music makes me remember, uh, reminds me that Jeremy Spake sent me a message, Brecco, that last week's, uh, oh, <laughs> last yeah. week's, <laughs> play the, play, this is perfect. Play the music because we're going to bring someone back to life. Play, play. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I totally messed up. Uh, last week's, last week's, my community show cake last week was uh, Touch Knives. It's a father-son duo, and I mistakenly uh, thought that the father had passed away, but it was actually his father who'd passed away. So Eric and William Touch are perfectly fine. Busting out badass knives, you should still follow them and check them out. But I'm an idiot, no, and no, uh, no. and I made that mistake, and and I feel terrible um, because it is still a tough thing for them and heartbreaking of a loss. And well, but thankfully, Will, William's still around, and uh, you yeah. fixed it. And we had the beautiful harp music. Everyone's okay. okay. Sorry, guys. No, be sorry. Uh, my dream is to get everything done because I just got a message from someone I'm dealing with a lot and I might have to make a tomahawk or two. So I'm hoping I can get enough done that I can justify spending a day making tomahawks. Mm. Super excited. Yeah. A friend of mine is doing, um, wants to do one of those tomahawk, uh, Bowling alleys, or not a bowling alley, but like a range, a, a mobile course or a, a mobile thing. And he said, "Would you be interested in making tomahawks?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, maybe I should make a tomahawk." So I would like to do that. That would be my yeah. dream. Have you made one before? Uh I've I've made some hammers before, and I've made I punched a lot of holes before, and I forged down some things before. So. I'm actually going to talk to Jesse uh, Savage. Um, he's actually planning on working on a. Um, he's working on maybe doing a class, and I'm going to be doing classes this year. And I'm Jonathan, John, uh, John uh, Ariani, and Cliff are going to do a couple hammer making classes here, and then Cliff and J- uh, Jesse might do a tomahawk class here. So I want to, you know, I'm going to I'm going to talk to Jesse and see what's what, and you know, we'll see. A folded hawk might be the way to go. You know, I'm trying to think about how not to do forge welding because it oh, okay. seems like it seems like if I could get a nice piece of forty one forty or something like that, and I could pop a hole and then forge down the beard and just heat treat the whole thing, it might just be a little bit easier. Sure. You know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. at the same time, I don't know. I mean, but that's what a lot of people are doing. I know a lot of guys get a file and like that's what um, Neil does, right? He gets a file and then he forge welds in a bit, right? Um, well, with a hawk, you don't even necessarily need to forge weld a bit in, especially if it's forged from a uh, like a farrier's rasp or something like that. Huh. Oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the hawk eye is drifted only from one direction. It's not it's, right. So it's unidirectional. Uh, so that's because you because you mind. slide it on from the bottom of the handle up. So when you're throwing it, it doesn't fly off the top, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the there we go. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see in a dream. It'll all be a dream. Mm. Yes, I love that. 
That's so nice. That's a show. So remember, we've got the Knife Talk build along with the Knife Talk BA hashtag. Um, it'd be great to see what you're all making. So share some pictures. Um, share some techniques if you're doing things slightly different as well. Um, today is the day that the uh, the heat treating video is going out, which I just need to finish up now. Um, and we shall speak to you next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.